frailty. I'm reminded of a post I saw um, on Facebook. A friend of mine pastored a relatively large church in the South, and then God called him to another state to, to move away and go work for a nonprofit organization. And uh, recently, he, you know, he, they've been settling into their new home, and they found a church, and he recently posted, he said, uh, you know, after pastoring for so many years, um, I've become real picky about the church I attend. So, you know, it took us a while, and we finally found the one, and it hits all the marks. And I thought, ooh, real picky, hits all the marks. So I thought, oh, God, don't ever let him come and visit our church. I mean, I love our church. I, I mean, I'm in love. This is my cup of tea, like, right? Like in the church world, I'm a hippie, like, right? So we're not a big chain church, but I just thought, so I had to ask. I had to ask. I said, I, I, met, I said to him, well, what are all the marks? I'm, I'm curious. Because I, I feel the opposite. I mean, after pastoring eight years, I feel like I've lost all pickiness. Like, no, I'm not. <laughs> just give me Jesus. Give me Jesus and some people who love him, and I'm good, right? It's like you, once you, you're on the other side of the table, you find out what, a, what a, the life of a pastor. It's like all your expectations are gone, gone. All those stuff that used to matter, it's gone. So I asked him. I said, well, what are all the marks that this church has hit that you found? And to my great relief, he said, they pray, and they're not chasing cool. I said, okay, thank you. <laughs> that works. That works. You can come visit us anytime. God, because I want God to make us a people of prayer. I, you know, I want God to make us a people of prayer. And I remember what it was like to be chasing cool on uh, myself as a, as a church attender, you know, just trying to find that place that met all the marks, all my expectations, and was cool enough. <laughs> and uh, I just, I'm not about that anymore. I, I want the presence of God. You know, I just want God's presence. That's what we need. All right, so we are in Luke chapter 2 still, and I want to talk about Simeon today a character in the Christmas story that you may not be too familiar with. And this is what happened after the birth of Christ. So I feel like it's appropriate to look at Simeon today. And my title this morning is, What to Do When You're Waiting. What to do when you're waiting. Because we're all waiting for something. Everybody is somehow in some time of waiting, whether it be in your personal life, Maybe you're waiting for a job. Maybe you're waiting for a healing. Maybe you're waiting for God to fix some circumstance or some person in your life. Maybe you're, you're uh, waiting for answers of some kind. Maybe you're waiting for direction. You know, maybe, maybe you're just you're, um, waiting collectively with the rest of the country and the world for this vaccine that maybe you think will be the answer to 2021. <laughs> I mean, everybody, whether, whether it's on an individual level or a collective level, where, where everybody is usually waiting for something, some good thing to happen, maybe f to finally have time to pursue your dream or the means to pursue your dream. You know, the world is waiting. Maybe you're, waiting to maybe you're still waiting to see the election results, right? For some people, it's all over. It is what it is, and now we're moving on. But for other people, it's not over yet. I mean, we're, we're in a time, we're in a very strange season right now of waiting. Does it feel that way? 
It's like, it's like our world right now is pregnant with anticipation of what is to come, both with this pandemic and with the election and then all the things you and I as individuals are waiting for. Well, Simeon was waiting. He was in a time of waiting. So if we really read in Luke chapter 2, verse 25, Luke chapter 2, verse 25, a bit of background before I start reading. Jesus has been born to Joseph and Mary, and they were good, devout Jews who followed the law of Moses. So according to the law of Moses, Mary had to wait 40 days after giving birth for the time of her purification to be complete before they could go into the temple and follow the law of Moses, which said the firstborn male, the, every male who opens the womb is dedicated to the Lord. And so they would bring their male child into the temple to present him to the Lord. And, <clears throat> but instead of actually offering that child up as a sacrifice, in its place they would offer a lamb without blemish. Unless they were as poor as Joseph and Mary, then they could bring two turtle doves or pigeons. Okay, and that's, by the way, that's one clue that we know that that's how one way we know the wise men had not arrived yet and it had taken them so long to get there because had the wise men already arrived, they would have had plenty enough to offer a better sacrifice <clears throat> because of the wise men's gifts. But they were very poor and so they offered their two turtle doves in the, in the temple. So they're there for Jesus' dedication. <clears throat> Let's see what happens. Luke 2.25. Behold, there was a man... In Jerusalem, whose name was Simeon. And this man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. So he came by the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus, to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, <clears throat> which you have prepared for the face of all peoples, a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. I'm going to go back and examine this text more carefully and talk about four things to do while you're waiting. Four things to do while you are waiting. Because we see that Simeon was waiting for the consolation of Israel. The consolation of Israel was a phrase that simply meant the, literally meant the, the comfort of Israel. It referred to the Messiah. Simeon, like all Jewish people, had been waiting for hundreds of years for their Messiah to come and rescue them from Rome and set up his kingdom and be the king of Israel. And so like everyone else, Simeon was waiting for the consolation of Israel, it says in verse 25. But the first thing to know about Simeon, and this is number one of four things to do while you're waiting. Number one, it says he was just and devout. Now this doesn't mean he was some super saint doesn't mean he was perfect or even near perfect. It simply means he lived a life of obedience to God. He walked in obedience. He just walked in obedience. If you look into the Greek and this, this original language, just and devout, means righteous. 
He just, to the best of his ability, he examined every part of his life and walked in obedience to God. See, he's setting himself up for the answer to finally come. So he was just and devout. Now you might say, oh, I'm, I'm, I've got that. I can check that off. You know, I'm good. I do all the things. I don't, and I don't smoke or chew or run with those who do. Did you ever hear that? But how about your heart? Have you examined your heart lately? Because when I'm going through a rough time, I, I believe as, as we mature in the Lord, one mark of spiritual maturity is that when we go through something difficult, we realize, and I heard a pastor say this, my friend Mike Schooley, uh, I saw, he said this recently in a sermon. He said, um, while God is working on your circumstances, he's also working on you. In fact, you are the main thing he's working on through your circumstances. So when I'm going through something, I'm I want to train myself as I grow in the Lord to stop and say, okay, is there anything in me that does not line up with obedience to God's word? How's my attitude towards so-and-so? Am I carrying some bitterness, some grief, some resentment, some kind of disobedient attitude in my heart towards someone or something, or maybe toward God? Maybe I've been disobedient in the way that the Israelites of old were, where I'm just, mur I've got this murmuring spirit. I'm, I'm resisting. I'm complaining. I've is there, God, is there anything in me that is not walking in obedience to your ways? God, cleanse me, purify my heart. I repent for such and such for whatever you show me that is not obedient to your way, your way. Simeon was just and devout. So there's, the, there's number one. The first thing we see about Simeon is that to the best of his ability, he was walking in obedience to God. The second thing, it says he was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. This is number two. Because you can try to obey. You can think you're being obedient, and you can think you're doing really well for a while, and then, boom, you fall again, you stumble, you mess up, you blow it. We need the Holy Spirit. We need to be filled with the Holy Spirit in order to obey God, in order to walk in obedience. Because other, other, otherwise, we're a slave. We're just this hopeless, miserable, continually failing slave without the Holy Spirit. But you see, what the Holy Spirit does is he empowers us. He empowers us to live a life of obedience to God. It's interesting because this was 30, what, 33 years before the Holy Spirit actually came and fell upon the church. And yet it says Simeon was full, the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it says that of people in the Old Testament, where the Holy Spirit would come upon them to equip and anoint them to do something great for God. But Simeon, it says, the Holy Spirit was upon him. Why is this so important? Because, see, Simeon was not just some moralist, some religious moralist. He was not just a naturally good person, right, who, who was guileless on his own. The Holy Spirit was upon him. And what happens when you ask for and receive the Holy Spirit into your life is that, first of all, he empowers you 
to walk in obedience so that there's this grace upon you. And, and what happens is when you do fail, when you do fail and you realize it and you own it, through the Holy Spirit living inside you, there's this voice that then leads you forward instead of keeping you stuck in condemnation. Because that's, that's never the Holy Spirit. That's always the wrong spirit. You know, that voice that says, you're disobedient and it's never going to change and you might as well give up. That's not the voice of the, that's the other spirit. That's the spirit of condemnation. But the Holy Spirit upon you and within you will lead you continually forward and there will be this grace that says, okay, all right, you messed up, but you know what? There's grace and the Holy Spirit is going to keep empowering you and teach you and instruct you and work in your heart so that the, the nature of Christ becomes a, your nature. You begin to be transformed by his spirit. That's what the word says. We are transformed by his spirit. But the other thing the Holy Spirit does is he brings revelation and guidance. Besides the power to obey, in addition to the power to obey, the Holy Spirit gives revelation and guidance. See, see, it's not enough to just live a life of obedience. I mean, any good Muslim or Jew can do that, uh, really. I mean, you can be obedient to whatever your personal God is. It's not just about obedience. It's obedience to the perfect will of God. And apart from the Holy Spirit, we cannot know what that is. We cannot know what that is. So Simeon was not only just and devout, but the Holy Spirit was upon him. And because the Holy Spirit was upon him, verse 26, it says, it had been revealed to him by whom? By the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit brings revelation. He doesn't just empower you to obey, but he brings revelation. He reveals to you, there's a verse that says the secret things uh, belong to the Lord. And then in Proverbs it says, uh, it says it's the glory of God to conceal a matter, but it is the glory of kings to seek a matter out. God wants to reveal his will and purposes to us. Oh, he so does. He so God has so much for you personally that he longs to reveal to you for your life and maybe for the lives of others, maybe even for our nation or our world. The Holy Spirit is the revelator, and he revealed to Simeon, it says in verse 26, it had been revealed to Simeon by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. You can imagine Simeon was getting up, he was advanced in age, he knew he was nearing death, and he's still waiting, like, where is it? I know you, I, I know you told me this, Holy Spirit. I'm not going to see death until I see the, the Messiah, the consolation of Israel. So we see how that the Holy Spirit will reveal things to you. I love this verse in 1 Corinthians 2, verse 9. 1 Corinthians 2, verse 9. It says, I has not seen, neither has ear heard, nor has entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for those who love him. Remember Jesus said, if you love me, you'll, do my, you'll keep my commandments. So this is for those who love him, for those who are walking in obedience to God to the best of their ability. Eye has not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. But look what the next verse says. See, it's telling us we have no idea what God has for us. But the next verse says, but, verse 10, I know it's, uh, but 
God has revealed them to us through who? Through his spirit. For the spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. Isn't it amazing? God has so much to reveal to you and me. If only we would seek him and first of all be filled with the Holy Spirit. If you're not filled with the Holy Spirit, I encourage you. Go home today, get along with God and say, fill me, Holy Spirit. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. Whatever that means, I want it all. Ask God to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, come upon me and clothe me. See, it's like this. Where's, um, I, need, I need a box of tissues. This is how I've seen it illustrated before. It's like when we're saved, when we ask the Lord to be the Lord, Jesus to be the Lord of our lives, we're born again, his spirit comes to live inside of us. It's been illustrated like this. His spirit comes to live inside of us. He indwells us. Then you ask the Holy Spirit. There's this other experience, the second experience, being filled with the Holy Spirit, which you might think it's that, but there's this other. If you read Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit comes upon his people, and he empowers them to walk in obedience, and he gives revelation and guidance. He leads and guides you into all truth. He gives you the grace to walk out this spirit-filled life. And so Simeon, the Holy Spirit had, was upon him, had come upon him. And that Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit who led him, who revealed to him, first of all, that he was going to see the Messiah before he died. And then what happened? The Holy Spirit revealed to him that truth. And then it said, uh, verse 27, so he came by the Spirit into the temple. The Holy Spirit not only gives you the power to obey, he not only reveals truth to you, specific truth for your life, but he will guide you. He will literally guide your very footsteps. In this case, he literally guided Simeon right into the temple where his consolation was waiting for him. That's why it's so important to be filled with the Holy Spirit. He will empower you. So I could do this whole sermon right now. Three reasons to be filled with the Holy Spirit. He will empower you to obey. He will reveal his will to you, and he will guide you into it. A sermon within a sermon. Simeon was filled with the Holy Spirit. So, number three, all right, we've got walk in obedience. Number two, be filled with the Holy Spirit. By the way, if you get filled with the Holy Spirit, if you are really filled to overflowing with the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, you will suddenly have this, you'll realize that your prayers, your words, uh, are, are your, your English language are not sufficient to carry the prayer of the Holy Spirit praying through you, helping you pray. The Holy Spirit is way too big for human language, and you will feel this utterance bubble out of you. If you want to know more about that, it's in the back. There's a, there's a little thing I wrote up right back there on that table called, um, it's about speaking in tongues. I encourage you to take that and read it. Uh, number, verse 27, it says, Simeon came by the Spirit into the temple. Number three, while you're waiting, stay connected to the body of Christ. Where did the Holy Spirit lead Simeon? Into the temple. You realize Simeon could have run into Joseph and Mary any place. He could have easily, he could have run into them in the market. In the marketplace, he could have, the Holy Spirit could have led him to their home. To th and yes, you can find Jesus in your house. Oh, yes. He's everywhere. I love meeting up with Jesus in the woods. It's my favorite place to meet with Jesus, out in nature. But the church is actually called the body of Christ. 
And just as you and I cannot separate the members of our own physical body and expect to live a normal, healthy life with one arm laying over there and a leg over there, <laughs> just as we cannot be disjointed in our own body, the church, the church to function as the church, to be a, a, a life-changing a, a life force in this world must be joined together. And we absolutely need the body of Christ. To expect to live the Christian life isolated from the body of Christ is to completely miss the, the point. I, I mean, we are, I've talked about this so many times. We are nourishment for each other. We are bread for each other. We are life for each other. You know, you might think you're okay and doing pretty well, and you might think you're pretty just and devout until you start rubbing shoulders in the body of Christ. And then we find out through each other that, oh, I've still got work to do. <laughs> I've still got some rough edges that need to be polished. <laughs> you know, we, we are meant for each other's growth. And when we come together in corporate worship, we are strengthened. We are, I mean, God gave the body of Christ. He gave us each other for the purpose of strengthening and encouraging and building up and feeding each other. I'm convinced. I mean, just like you, I've got my concerns about what's going to happen in 2021. You know, we're all in the waiting, right? And, um, you know, I mean, there's things that I want to see happen. I've got my wish, right? There's, and you've got yours. I mean, everybody's got their desire for what's going to happen in our nation in 2021. But I'm telling you, what I really want, more than what I think I want, what I really want is for God to do whatever it takes to set a blazing fire under his church that would, it would set us aflame, that the church would rise up and be the church in this dark world, that we would be a blazing, shining light. And I don't know what it's going to take to do that, but I want God to do whatever it takes. I want to say something. It's been on my heart. And please don't take this personally. <laughs> Just hear it as a universal, timeless truth for the body of Christ. And if you disagree strongly, that's okay. You can tell me. You can tell me. <laughs> and we'll talk about it. But I just wonder. No, I don't wonder. I believe. You can measure a person's spiritual maturity and where they are in God by their commitment to the body of Christ. I do. Obviously, this is a different year. You know, it's complicated. We've had to make some adjustments. And you can be, a, you can be committed to the body of Christ. You know, you can, you can, as best as you can when there's a pandemic, you know, we've had to work around. We've had to work with this. We've had to work with this. But I realize, I'll speak for myself, I realize that the more cocky, the more independent, the more self-centered, the more self-sufficient and self-confident and self-righteous I begin to be, I notice I feel my need for the body of Christ less and less. It's like, I got this. I got this on my own. I don't, I, I don't need those people. They're too imperfect. <laughs> I just admitted how much I need those people. Right? We need each other. We desperately need each other. And so the Holy Spirit led Simeon into the temple 
the Holy Spirit will always lead you toward and not away from the body of Christ. Don't try this life alone. Just don't try to do it alone. You can't. And you'll find out sooner or later that you can't. And so the Holy Spirit led Simeon into the temple. So that's point number three. While you're waiting, stay connected to the body of Christ because you never know who God is going to use in the body of Christ to speak to you the next step, to reveal his truth to you. See, the Holy Spirit works through his church. That's why he came upon the church. And so Simeon was led into the temple, and verse 27 says, when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him, according to the custom of the law, he took him up, Simeon took Jesus up in his arms and blessed God. And said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace. In other words, now I can die. I can finally die. I have found what I've been waiting for. See, Simeon knew that he could finally die. And because of Jesus, when you discover, when you finally find the consolation of Israel, when you own him, when you have him for yourself, now you can truly live. Simeon could finally die. You and I can finally begin to truly live when we hold the Savior, when we take him for ourselves, when we find him, discover him as our personal consolation, our Savior. He says, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace. And then what does he do? Verse 30, he goes on to say, for, for my eyes have seen your salvation. Here Simeon is openly acknowledging that Jesus, this baby he's holding, is the Savior. And what kind of savior, savior is he? Verse 31 says, which you have prepared before the face of all peoples, a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles. I love that. This is the first mention in the Gospels of the fact that Jesus is a Savior for all people. This was astonishing. This was astonishing. This was revelatory to the Jews to think that God not only came to save them, but he came for the Gentiles. The Gentiles who, who weren't allowed in the temple except in the court of the Gentiles. The Gentiles who were deemed unclean, unworthy. Jesus came for all people, a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles and a light to the glory of your people Israel. And it says, verse 33, Joseph and his mother and his Joseph and Jesus' mother Mary marveled at those things which were spoken of him, of their baby. And verse 34 says, Then Simeon blessed them. See number four, while you're in the waiting, just go ahead and keep being a blessing. Just keep being a blessing. Just because you're waiting for some unanswered something to happen in your life does not mean that you can, that you and I can take a break from being a blessing. I know what that's like to get this attitude that says, well, I'm in a time of waiting. I'm in a time of need. Things are so bad. Things are so hard. When things finally work out for me, then I will get back to being a blessing. But that's not God's design. Because when you have the Holy Spirit empowering you, you can't help but be a blessing to others. And so that's why we, we, we are led into the temple by the Holy Spirit for the purpose of being a blessing. 
See, God did not just lead Simeon into the temple to get his answer. That wasn't it. He could have said, oh, great, I can die now. I've seen the Savior and left. No, he stayed and he was a blessing. He began to speak words of blessing, words of revelation, words of truth. He began to bless Mary and Joseph with his lips. That is why God, through the Holy Spirit, guided him into the temple. It wasn't just to get his answer. <laughs> I see if I've seen Christians all my life, all my life, the word chasers, the conference hoppers, <laughs> none of you, of course. But yeah, I've seen Christians all my life, and they have this, they have this outlook toward the church, uh, and they have this idea that the whole point of showing up for some meeting somewhere is I can get my word, I can get my answer. I've been in the waiting, and maybe I'll finally, maybe someone will speak, maybe I'll finally get my answer. And that's all great and good. That's what the body of Christ is for. You know, we speak, we speak truth to each other in Revelation, but that's not all. We're here to be a blessing. We're here to be a blessing. And so Simeon did not stop living all the way until he died and took his last breath. He did not stop living. He was ready to die, and that was good, but he kept being a blessing. So it says in verse uh, 34, Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Jesus' mother, Behold, this child is destined for the fall and rising of many in Israel. Now he begins to prophesy. And yes, the Lord wants to bring the prophetic into the church. It's here. We got to use it. We got to speak up. We got to speak out and let the Holy Spirit use our voice to, prophetic, to be a prophetic blessing to one another. So he begins to prophesy. He says, this child is destined for the fall and rising of many in Israel. In other words, there are people who are going to stumble at this man. And there are people who are going to rise from the dead because of this man. He's going to do both. He's going to separate the living from the dead, from those who want to stay dead. <laughs> this child is destined for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign which will be spoken against. Yes, and now he really begins to prophesy specifically. A sword will pierce through your own soul also. He says this to Mary. Wow, whatever could that mean? A sword will pierce through your own soul. Also, he's prophesying of the sword that would pierce Jesus' side on the cross. And he says to Mary, that sword is going to touch you too, in a figurative way, that the, thoughts and heart, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. The word of God is a sharp two-edged sword, it says in Hebrews 4.11. And it pierces and it divides asunder the soul and spirit, and it reveals the thoughts and intents of the heart. What a mouthful! From Simeon, from Simeon who has walked into the temple led by the Holy Spirit. He has found the answer he's looking for. Now I'm ready to die. I can depart in peace. I've seen the Savior all is well. I've seen the Messiah. But he keeps blessing. He keeps speaking. He lives the purpose for which the Holy Spirit has guided him into the temple. And you and I, while we are in the waiting for whatever it is, for whatever it is, what are you waiting for this morning? Is it a relationship to come together? Is it finances? Is it, is it healing? Is it, is it understanding? Is it, is it guidance for the future? Is it a burden you carry for our nation, for your family? We're all in some kind of waiting. While we are waiting, 
God wants us, by the example of this man in Scripture, Simeon. God wants us to just continue walking in obedience. Being in the waiting is a really good time to examine our hearts. God, am I walking in obedience to your word? Not the easy stuff, not the do's and don'ts. Most of us got that, hands down. But when you look at Jesus, his commands, you know where he raised the bar. <laughs> he says, if you even look at a woman with lust in your heart, if you even hate someone, you've already committed murder. He said, be meek. Don't fight back. Don't feel the need to push back. Don't have to have the last word. Don't have the need to have the final say. Don't have the need to be right. Be meek. Be lowly. Be gentle. <laughs> you look at the Sermon on the Mount, it's like, oh, man, I need the Holy Spirit to do this stuff. I am not this. <laughs> I, I might do well for him. I might think I can on my own, but, man, I'm not naturally meek. I'm not naturally humble. I'm not naturally kind. I'm not naturally long-suffering. <laughs> How well do you suffer long and still be kind in the suffering? So that's why we need number two, the Holy Spirit. We walk in obedience, number one. We get filled with the Holy Spirit every single day. Fill, fill me and refill me. Fill me to overflowing every single day. It's, it's this continuous refilling and overflowing. Number three, we stay connected to the body of Christ because we desperately need each other because Jesus is here. I've said this so many times. It's one of my, I guess, faithisms. The church is the only physical representation of the body of Christ on earth. Why wouldn't we then make every attempt to be here or to gather with the body of Christ as much as possible as if Jesus was actually physically here because he is. He is. He is here in the body of believers. So we stay connected to the body, number three, and while we're there, we be a blessing. We just keep on being a blessing. Sooner or later, sooner or later, the Holy Spirit would say, will say, there's your answer. Go here. Go there. I have your consolation to reveal to you today. It is finally here. You've done well. You've walked in obedience. You have sought to be filled with my Holy Spirit every day. You stayed connected to the body of Christ, and you have continued to be a blessing even though you don't feel so blessed while you're waiting. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Here's your consolation. <laughs> Amen. Let's pray. Father God, we are here this morning. I believe each one of us have been led by the Spirit, just like Simeon. We were led into the temple this morning to find you, Jesus, to find you in the words of your people, even in the worship of the people worshiping next to us. This is where we find you, Jesus. So, Holy Spirit, I thank you for leading us into this place this morning. And, Father God, as we are each in our time of waiting, maybe waiting to get some things or something, maybe waiting to be rid of something or some things, 
Whatever it is, whatever it is that each of us finds ourselves waiting for. Father God, would you help us to walk in obedience to your word? Would you put it in our hearts, Lord, to clear out and purge out from our lives and from our heart and from our thoughts everything that is not of you, everything that's disobedient to your word? And God, we can't do this on our own. We need the Holy Spirit. So Father God, would you fill us with your Holy Spirit, I pray. Would you baptize us with the Holy Spirit? Oh God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would fall in this place and on every single person sitting here. I pray, God, that we would all be baptized in your Holy Spirit and filled to overflowing with your Spirit because we cannot, we cannot walk in obedience to you without the power of the Holy Spirit. And Holy Spirit, as you fill us, would you reveal your will to us and your truth? Would you give us insight and revelation and understanding into your ways? Speak to us. Open our ears. Let our very first step of obedience be that we declutter our mind and our ears from all the noise that would keep us from hearing you, Holy Spirit. And would you begin to speak? Guide us. Lead and guide us, Lord, as we listen, as we open our ears and listen to your voice, Holy Spirit. Father, I pray that you would put it in the hearts of your people to gather together. Lord, I pray that you would show me, show us how you feel toward the body of Christ so that then maybe I can begin to realize, wow, the body of Christ is precious, is absolutely vital to my very survival as a spirit-filled believer in the kingdom of God. Not just survival, but thriving. God, would you show us our need for each other? Would you give us a hunger for what you have to offer us through each other in the body of Christ? And Lord, I thank you that as you empower us by the Holy Spirit, we will continue to be a blessing to each other, to speak prophetic words to each other, to be a blessing, to keep being a blessing while we are in the waiting. I thank you, Lord, and I praise you. I praise you, Lord. You have only good things for your people, and for that we praise your holy name. We thank you that like Simeon today, we can say, now I have seen the consolation of Israel. My eyes have seen Jesus who was sent for me, and now I can begin living. I can go ahead and keep being a blessing and discover my purpose as I'm being a blessing. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name I pray. Amen. Amen.